Okay, hello, welcome to another episode of Movie Bollocks. So, if you're looking at this and you're seeing the massive list of movies and TV series that I've watched since the last one of these I did, which was just before Christmas, you must be thinking, Jesus, Howard, what do you do? Is, is all you do watch TV and make podcasts? Well, not exactly. But um, uh, Christmas is a very relaxing time for me. That wasn't the plan, but unfortunately got COVID, so that pretty much ended up being that. So... The advantage, the upside, is that I did get to watch a lot of movies. And I am now, now, no, I'm now going to tell you all about them. Varied, real varied group of, um, of movies, um, which I caught over Christmas and TV series. And as always, I'll just say this. Um, if I say I like something, that's it. That is not me saying you will like it. Or you should watch it. It's just me saying I like it. And then giving you a few reasons as to why I like it. So let's crack on and get straight in with a movie um, that made quite a lot of noise when it first came out. Um, and great. I mean, there's certainly a bit of, I believe of his Oscar buzz for its star, Kirsten Stewart. And that film is called Spencer. Um, as in Lady Diana Spencer. Yes, that's right. Diana. Um, so basically, uh, my feeling on this movie was, uh, would everybody just speak up a bit? Now, I know that sounds like I'm being a fucking deaf old bastard, right? But it's just one of those movies. It fucking infuriated me. I mean, uh, Kirsten Stewart's getting huge praise for her performance and she does, she does definitely look like her and she knows how to tilt her head to one side like her. But it, it just, everything just seemed, never, she never seemed to, to speak above a, a whisper or a murmur. And, um, and it, it, it did wind me up. Timothy Spall is great in it. Um, but it didn't really go anywhere. And I, ultimately, I, I did come to the end of it thinking, yeah, I kind of wish I hadn't bothered, but hey, you know, that's just me. Maybe you'll like it, but certainly not blown away. Now, um, two movies w- which I watched um, on Boxing Day. God, that seems like another, like a year ago, doesn't it? Uh, movie number one is The Colour Room. Now, um, this stars Matthew Good and Phoebe uh, Dinevere, I think is the pronunciation. Um, it's... It does feel, it feels a little bit like made for TV, but not, it it is actually quite cinematic. Um, and it's the, it's the, uh, true story of the lady Clarice Cliff, who created Clarice Cliff. Uh, if you don't know what Clarice Cliff is, it's, it's basically, it's beautiful china, it's beautiful pottery, um, that, before it came along, everything was dull and Toby jugs and things like that. And then this lady came along and, you know, a, a guy at the um, uh, at the um, potters where she was working gave her a chance and they went out and basically smashed it. And it's the true story of Clarice Cliff. Now, the thing is, my parents are antique dealers. I grew up as a kid seeing Clarice Cliff and I probably, I was about five when I first heard the name Clarice Cliff. So, so I would imagine uh, some of you, a lot of you listening, wouldn't know who she is or what she's responsible for. Um, the film is called The Colour Room. I really do recommend it. It's a, it's, um, you know, it's a historical artifact, but it's also 
really good fun. It's a rags to riches story, and it and as as always, it has that added power of being a true story. And I'm and it you know it's beautifully played, really well acted, um, and yeah, I I Howard is definitely recommending that one. So, following on from The Colour Room is another movie that has the power of being a true story. And if there is not an Oscar nomination for Will Smith as his role as Richard Williams in King Richard, then I will be amazed. I've seen it twice. It's absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I loved it. And then John Bernthal turns up doing a completely total not John Bernthal performance. He was the Punisher in the Netflix series uh, of the same name. So you you know who I mean. And, you know, the guy who dies early in um, Walking Dead season two, I think it is. Anyway, um, he's brilliant in it, playing against type. Um, Will Smith, though, he's got two or three speeches in this where you're just thinking, wow. Yes, yes, go for it. And it's great. At time at times, you know, you're you're really on his side and you think, absolutely, yeah, you go for it. You are so right. And at other times you're just thinking, Oh, you dick. Oh, what a dick. What are you doing that for? It honestly, I I've seen it twice. I will definitely see it again. Um I just really, really enjoyed it. King Richard, the story of Richard Williams. I haven't explained it, have I? Who is the father of Venus and Serena Williams. And he had a plan for them before they were born. And it came off. And it's it's an incredible story. It really is an incredible story. It's one of those, if somebody wrote it as a screenplay, it wouldn't get made because people would say, look, no one's going to believe this. It's too far-fetched. Fuck off. Well, it's true. And I loved it. Um, next up is um, Swan Song. Now, this stars, um, uh, this stars uh, Marshala Ali and Naomi Harris... And I don't want to say too much about it. Well, the logline is: In the near future, a terminally ill man explores a heart-wrenching, emotional, complex solution to have his to have his wife and son uh, uh, saved from grief by duplicating himself without them knowing. And that's it. Now, I watched this movie. Now, I don't know why. I don't know why. But the whole t- I kind of ruined it for myself, right? Because I think during the whole movie, I was. I was trying to find uh, the flaw, the twist, the subplot, and there, there wasn't one. And at the end, I was like, ah, and I have to say, I'd, I'd, I'd clocked this by the final act. Just into the final act, I realised I was looking for something that wasn't there. And the final act absolutely reached into my chest and ripped my heart out. Um, it's very, I, I found it moving, um, uh, very emotional and kind of because I, I thought it was a different kind of film for so long, it kind of caught me by surprise as well. And I just, I really, really liked it. Um, and I am going to have to watch it again. Um, I, I probably should have watched it again before reviewing it, to be honest, because, because I was so wrong about it, I need to go back and 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 watch it from the right headspace, if you know what I mean. So, uh, but nevertheless, it, I still enjoyed it, and I and I would recommend it. All I would say is, 
let it wash over you, buy into it. Um, and it is a, it's, it's an emotional, um, it's an emotional roller coaster for want of a better cliche. Next up is Sensor. Now this couldn't be any different. This is going to be more different, sorry. Sensor as in C-E-N-S-O-R. Um, and the main character is a woman who is a film sensor. It's set in the 80s around the time of, um, uh, kind of video nasties and things like that. And she is a film sensor watching movies and she sees a movie and thinks that her missing sister may be an actress in one of these dodgy slashes. And it is, it keeps you guessing. Um, it's a, it's a, a British movie. Um, and it stars Nima Algar, Michael Smiley, who's always good. Uh, he's also a stand up who I did a few shows with back in the day, years ago. But anyway. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's quite grim. And it's quite, it really does, it's got, it's one hour, 24 minutes. And, um, it, it kind of creeps up on you as to how grim it is. And you really buy into her quest to find out if this, if this woman in this film really is her missing sister. And it's clearly messing with her head. And she sees a lot of stuff that messes with your head because she's a, a film sensor. Um, and she starts frankly unraveling and and it's it's kind of easy to see why it's a moody piece and uh quite horrific and quite bloody so um if you're in the mood certainly worth giving a go next up death to 21 death to 2021 it's only an hour long it's on netflix and it was very funny lots of great uh, um, performances in it it's basically basically ripping 2021 apart hot on the heels of death to 2020 um if you've got netflix definitely worth checking out death to 2021 it's a giggle um after that right okay next up last looks now um right okay last looks it's it's a movie with uh wait for it mel gibson in it um and it's one of those rare things it's a decent movie with charlie hum uh charlie hunnam in and and believe it or not there is another decent movie with charlie hunnam in coming up as well um now charlie hunnam is in this um and mel gibson is his client charlie hunnam is this sort of private detective but he's a well, he's a disgrace ex-cop and he's been brought in to um, try and get to the bottom of Mel Gibson's wife being murdered. Mel Gibson plays the part of a classic British actor. He is hamming it up. Now, I am clearly skating over all of the bad stuff about Mel Gibson here, okay? Because ultimately, he's in the movie. He's very good in the movie. And whatever you think about the man, about his politics, about the way he's conducted himself in the past... He's really good in this movie, as is Charlie Hunnam. Mel Gibson is absolutely chewing the scenery up as this classic British actor. He's clearly having a whale of a time. He's a total alcoholic, and he's he's absolutely chewing the scenery. But it's it's really really I've I enjoyed it. I really did. It's had some fair to middling reviews and stuff, and and it, it doesn't get a particularly high score on on IMDb. I think it gets like a um, a, a five point six. 
Um, as of I'm, when I'm re- reviewing this, I personally thought it's a lot better than that. But that's why, you know, you don't go by ratings. Just if you think you like the sound of it, go for it. Um, but it, it, yeah, it was a real, it's, it's a whodunit. It's got a, it's got a real kind of skip in its step. It's lighthearted. Um, but it's serious as well. And it's just really, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, and also Morena Bacharin is in it as well, who I absolutely love because, um, she was in Firefly all those years ago and I was a huge Joss Whedon fan. Still am, despite all of the things that have been said about him recently. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was Last Looks. Um, next up, Don't Look Up, the big Netflix movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and Mark Rylance. And the list is endless. People, it's crammed full of stars. And you've probably seen loads of stuff about it online. And you've probably had friends raving about it, telling you to watch it. And, um, brilliant. For me, didn't, didn't enjoy it. I mean, all of the performances, yep, yeah, fine, whatever. But it's one joke stretched out across a whole movie the mood the joke being that it's difficult to get people to believe that there's going to be an extinction event and and it starts with and and it it made me laugh because it starts with the first people they tell who kind of don't believe them and pussyfoot around is the president of the united states and it's like well where do you go after that it does like everything is just like minor after this surely so then they go to tv and they're going to do a tv program and they say that it's all you know it's all gonna it's it you know the the planet's gonna end and jennifer lawrence freaks out and and the joke is that social media goes you know it gets caught up with the her ranting and how wacky she is and memes like this and all the world's gonna end when it is in fact going to end and they have this and i just got frustrated and annoyed because right from the outset you know that this is a fact so it's just a succession of the same joke over and over again. And it just, honestly, it just fucking annoyed me. From a comedic point of view, I just felt like I was just, I just kept seeing the same sketch over and over again. There's some decent performances in it, but really it just didn't work for me. There you go. That's all I've got to say about it. Um, next up, coming home in the dark. Right. Brutal, brutal, uh, bit of New Zealand cinema. And I mean, there is honestly every time I see a movie from New Zealand, it seems to be pretty fucking dark. And it is called Coming Home in the Dark. Um, a husband, wife, and their two boys are are out in the outback of New Zealand in the countryside, and two blokes happen upon them. And these two blokes, the minute you see them, you think ah ah. And so does so does you know the wife, mother straight away. She's like, uh, hang on. So it is, and basically, as soon as those guys appear, it's not going to be a very nice day out in the countryside for this family. Um, it is fucking brutal. It is, it, I w- again, I wouldn't call it a horror film, but it is horrific. Um, it doesn't shy away from anything. Some really brutal shit happens right at you know not long after these guys arrive on the scene um the ab and it just changes the movie just fucking changes because it goes from it goes from threat to just it kicks off 
So, yeah, you know, it, it brutal. So next, um, now this is uh, again, well, we've got we've gone from New Zealand with one movie. Um, now we're going to go to a Canadian movie, which is it's it's sort of a, a, a co-Canadian and French um, uh, production. And it's called Night Raiders. A mother joins an underground band of vigilantes to try to rescue her daughter from a state-run institution. Um, it is a post, it's a post-apocalyptic world. Um, but it's not your typical post-apocalyptic movie at all. Um, the only, uh, cast member I recognised was Amanda Plummer, who is suitably, uh, nutty as she always seems to be. Um, I really, really enjoyed this for a, it, I found it's very, it, it's original. I haven't seen anything like this, um, anywhere. It's an hour 40. It, it, it keeps it brief. It gets to the point. It's, uh, it's well made. It looks good and it keeps you guessing. You're never really sure of where this is going. Um, but I, I mean, it's the first time I've seen a post-apocalyptic movie with, um, uh, a large percentage of the cast being Native American as well. Um, and I, I, I don't want to give too much away because it really does just, it reveals itself very slowly. And, uh, but I, I found it like almost hypnotic, really, really good, really good to watch. Um, some great performances as well. Um, the, the, the story does center around the daughter um and and she's brilliantly played by Brooklyn Letixia Hart now there is a name okay and she plays the part of Wasisi so and, and I, like I said I don't want to give too much away um but yeah it kind of reminded me of I don't know nothing I've seen before really um and and it has to and I have to say Probably the most terrifying use of drones in a movie I've seen to date. And given how long drones have been around, um, I think that's pretty impressive. So, yeah, Night Raiders, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic, cool. Now, next up is a movie called Iris Warriors. Um, there is only one real star you'd have heard of, which is Jessica Brown um, Finley. And Jessica Brown Finley plays the part of a school teacher in a, in a classroom when a air raid siren goes off and she has to get them to the basement of the school. It's set in the Second World War and there's, you know, we're going to get bombed by the Germans. And whilst in the basement, she pulls out a book that she finds down there and tells the story of the colours of the rainbow and how they came to be. And this is done through ballet. Yeah, you heard me. Ballet. And she starts telling the story. And I really didn't know where this movie was going to go. And and then it delves into this complete other world of dance. And it's essentially filmed brilliantly in this in, in this kind of it's a, it's it's a it's a a set that that just looks like they're dancing on top of a diamond that is um held in midair and it's just black all around 
and they tell and 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 so basically um the teacher tells the story so she provides the narrative um and she provides the voiceover and everything else is is expressed through dance and through incredible costumes that these dancers wear and all of the dancers are incredible all the costumes are incredible the storytelling is superb it keeps going back to the kids and seeing you know their 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 eyes widening and 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 how they're fascinated by it all which which again makes it even more fascinating because i was already fascinated to begin with and um I found this movie to be, there is only one word for it, and I, I, I cringe even saying it, but it, I found it completely enchanting. I really did. It was, I, I, the COVID had kicked in. I was wrapped up on the sofa, and it absolutely took me away. Now, I know what you're thinking. Clearly, um, clearly I was hallucinating. I, I was delusional. How, how could I possibly like a movie which is mainly ballet? Seriously, if that's, if that is what you're thinking, just open your mind a little bit and give it a whirl. Because the way it is done is I've never seen anything like it. It's one hour, 20 minutes, right? It's really not going to take you long to watch it, but it's it's an original a completely original um ballet story um and they are few and far between now i you know i'm not i'm not a, a fan of ballet i'm you know i'm by no means a um a lover of dance or musicals for that matter um not that this is a mu- musical it's very much um it's very much dance but just the way it's done it's so original honestly even if you don't like it as a movie you will come away saying well you know one thing you cannot fuck with is that was original i have never seen anything like that before i thought it was utterly brilliant um and i'm you know i will watch it again and just just fantastic really really fantastic and some of the some of the dance it's modern ballet um but it's also kind of traditional as well and some of it is just breathtaking the the moves that these these men and women pull off are are just incredible um so there you go iris warriors not something that you maybe would have expected um me to be watching or for that matter enjoying um so uh next up complete opposite the matrix resurrections that's right the fourth matrix movie that nobody asked for after the previous two um uh sequels that nobody asked for um so the matrix resurrections well to start with okay neo and trinity are dead at the end of the matrix trilogy so with this starting and they're both back in the matrix and alive straight off it's like okay so there's absolutely nil jeopardy here because they were dead and now they're alive so you know whatever happens from here on out doesn't matter really does it even if they die they're just going to come back so it kind of yeah, it, it kind of takes the boy, you know, cuts the balls off it to start with. But anyway, on we go. And I have to say, my favourite scene was quite early on, um, and it's very meta because basically, um, Neo 
Keanu Reeves has been um, is is known as the guy who wrote the three biggest um, selling, most popular games of all time, the Matrix trilogy. And he gets a phone call from his agent saying, "Look, they want a fourth." And he's like, "Yeah, but I don't want to do a fourth. He's like, "Well, look, Warner Brothers own the property, and pretty much, you know, they're the paymasters. And if they want a fourth, then you've got to do a fourth." I thought, okay, this is this is fairly cool. Then there is a meeting whilst they're talking about sequels and it's like you know you know well no, come on let's do another one it was like well do we have to say yeah come on people like sequels yeah but they're like yeah but we've already done two i said well what do people like about the first one well lots of kung fu and crashy bashy well i don't know some people you know preferred the concept of is it reality or not and and it's and it, you know it's fun to watch um uh, a meet a kind of fictional meeting um it, you know it, it within a within a movie studio about how um, sequels get made and the validity of them. And, you know, lots of in jokes about the movie industry and about, and about the, about the trilogy. And, um, and I have to say that was the highlight for me. And that's fairly early doors. Um, And, um, and after that, it kind of just, you know, goes about its business and God, there's a lot of talking. (laughs) There's a, there's a lot of talking in rooms and, oh, well, if you could go down here and there'll be this and there'll be that and if we come here and, and it's just, you know, on oh, the singularity and plug this in and if you do that and, ah, oh, but luckily I can, I have found a workaround and you go, and, oh, you know, after a while I was just kind of like, mm, struggling to fucking care, struggling to fucking care. Um, and that is it really. It, it's the struggle to care because the character of Neo and, 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 and Trinity and, and everyone else in the movie, you're kind of like, well, these are cool characters, but there's just no jeopardy because it doesn't matter if you fucking die. You probably, you'll, you know, you'll come back anyway. So that's, that really kind of was at the nub of why I kind of didn't really connect with it. Also, action wise, well, there ain't no bullet time and there ain't no, you know, and there ain't no car chase from Matrix Reloaded or anything that good in it. There's a couple of reworkings of the same effects they've used before. Um, but, you know, the running the running on the walls and the roof and the corridor. Yeah, well, do you know what? That looked better in Inception, if you ask me, than the new Matrix. And yeah, I don't know. Once you've opened one fridge door and walked into another world and then you've opened a, you know... And, and uh, you know a bathroom cabinet and you go through into another world you've opened all the doors really you know the next time you open the door you just go oh, i wonder where this is going then it's yeah mm, yeah ultimately i was kind of left feeling like pretty much like they were in that discussion which was do we really need a fourth and the answer was nah not really nah okay next up um another decent charlie hunnam film yeah i know mad right um it's called the ledge now and by that i don't mean like you know the legend um but it's it's a bit of a classic sort of charlie hunnam kind of film title really the ledge and guess guess where (laughs) guess where the titular character can be found for most of this movie that's right on a ledge and um i mean you know it really is a movie star it's starring you know the the, uh, the movie careers that could have been it's it stars cuba gooding jr and uh charlie hunnam and it's you know it, it, it's it's all right 
it's okay. I, I mean, like I said, it is it is decent. I mean, I did say I did start by saying it was decent, didn't I? So you know, I, I should be I should be honest and say it is decent. Um, and I have to say as well that um, there is some religious discussion early on, um, and it is it is serious. It is. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's some, there's some serious discussion between Charlie Hunnam and another character and it doesn't hold back at all. It really doesn't. And it's full on, you know, atheist versus, versus full on, um, uh, uh, religious person. Now it's from 2011. So it's a good 10 coming up 11 years ago now. Um, and Terrence Howard is in it. Patrick Wilson is also in it. Um, uh, and and as is Liv Tyler, and funny, Liv Tyler is doing that performance again. She can't seem to speak; she can only whisper. She's got the same thing going on that Kirsten Stewart had in Spencer. You know, she's like, "Oh, I wish we could be a bit, a bit of it," and she's just she's doing that whole thing. Um, and Patrick Wilson is great as her kind of like far right Christian boyfriend. Um, and, uh, and, and Charlie Hunnam and, um, and Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, uh, you know, are, are, are good up front. And, um, oh, good Lord. What have I done? What have I done? It is not Cuba Gooding Jr. I take it all back. I do apologize. My memories played tricks on me. Luckily, I just looked the film up on IMDb. It's Terrence Howard. Terence Howard, who is great in it. And um, it's good. You're never sure what's going to happen. Um, and definitely, definitely worth a watch. Um, suffice to say, Charlie Hunnam on a ledge. Terence Howard's trying to talk him off. He's a cop. And Charlie Hunnam's saying, I, I, I can't. I've got to jump at midday. I've got to jump or someone else dies. And we then go backwards and see how that has happened so yeah if that's enough for you cool i hope so because that's all you're getting um next up a cure for wellness it's taken me a while to get round to this it was out in 2016 um it stars um uh, jason isaacs and dane dehan of course he of um through the never by metallica it is a gore Verbinski movie it looks fantastic um, basically, Dane DeHaan has to go to a health uh, spa to get a guy from the company he works for to get him to come back to sign off on some stuff so they can sell the company. And once he gets there, it seems like a bit of a strange health resort. And right off the bat, it doesn't it it doesn't ring true. What the fuck's going on here? Well, you're going to spend two hours and twenty six minutes finding out pretty much what you work out within the first hour. But you know what? It's beautifully told. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really not sure I'd actually ever watch it again. But it's very stylish. It looks great. There are some wonderful performances. Um, and if you can get over the fact that you pretty much, you, you, you know, any, any, any heart, anyone with any decent sort of cinema sense will will pick up on what's going on here and what the issue is. And it's it's not even particularly well hidden. It's it so it's not so much the story, it's the way it's told. And if you buy into that, then then you then you will enjoy it. And and I, I did I did enjoy it. You know, I'm not I'm not slagging it off. I did enjoy it. Um I'm just not I'm just saying I wouldn't necessarily watch it again. So, next up, 
Um, do you know what? The same would go for this next movie. Um, and it's called, it's the eyes of, it's called the eyes of Tammy Faye. Now, it's basically the true story of, um, uh, Tammy Faye Baker, um, who was a huge, huge, um, along with her husband, uh, they were, they are huge TV evangelists in the, in, in the booming era, um, of the eighties. And Jessica Chastain plays the titular character, Tammy Faye Baker. And Andrew Garfield plays Jim Baker. And it's, uh, and, Je- and, and Vincent, De- uh, Vincent DeFornio, De who I love, plays Jerry Falwell. Um, and he plays him brilliantly. Now, what I found with this is I, I, I knew that they were huge and then it all kind of came tumbling down and I couldn't quite remember why. Um, and I watched it. Now, Brilliant performance from Andrew Garfield. Brilliant performance from uh, Jessica Chastain. It's beautifully shot. The costumes are amazing. The period is is done fantastically. The whole thing just looks great. And the story is... is but the thing is, for me, is that the story is just... And it's directed by Michael Showalter. It's just a bit... It's just a bit... Janet and John. It's just a bit ABC. It's like there, there's no. I mean, you compare it to something like The Wolf of Wall Street, which again is a is a um, uh, a true story about you know somebody making it massive and then losing everything. And wow, what Scorsese and DiCaprio do with that movie is incredible. What happens here is it just feels a bit documentary. I mean, not that it's shot like a documentary, but at no stage do you, are you, uh, do you feel thrilled? No stage you're going like, oh, wow, can't believe that happened. It just seems to go from one scene to another and it just adequately tells the story of what happened. No more, no less. So worth a watch. It will, you know, it, it I, well, personally, I'd say I, 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 I thought it was worth a watch, but, but nothing more. And, and it's, it's an amazing story, but it's far from an ama- it's far from amazingly told. It's just it was just a bit ploddy, a bit perfunctory for me. So there you go. Now, next up is a movie by that wonderful director, M. Night Shalamalamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanam
kind of, I wouldn't say star, but he's kind of starry. But I mean, it, it's just, it's just really well done. Everyone's great in it. And the, just the, it just proved again that he knows what he's doing. He knows how to write something that just keeps you engaged. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I, and I would recommend it old, you know, but then again, you might not like it just because I liked it, but I did really, really enjoy it. I really did. So next up, the 13th tale. Um, now this stars, um, Olivia Coleman, uh, Janet Amsden, Alice Barlow, um, Antonia Clark. I mean, it's Tom Goodman Hill, Jacqueline Davis. There's, it's, it's a great cast. Um, and, uh, the, the log line is it follows an aging novelist. Oh God, who have I not mentioned? Bloody hell. Star of the show. Um, who, who I am going to get to any minute. Come on. Where is, where are you? Um, Right, okay. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave as Vida Winter, who's an... Oh, Sophie Turner's in it as well. Um, and she plays... Um, oh, and Alexander Roach is in it. Honestly, every, everyone's really good in it. It's a great cast. And um, it's kind of a story. Vanessa Redgrave plays Vida Winter, who is a, who is a, a novelist who um, has asked a journalist, Olivia Coleman, to come to her house and she's going to tell her her life story. And nobody seems to know much about her. She's a very successful novelist, but she's also very ill and she wants to get her life story off her chest before she dies. And it's, it's a bit of a mystery. At times you think it might be a bit of a ghost story and it keeps you just, it keeps you moving, keeps you guessing. And apparently people really like it. It's 90 minutes. It was made in 2013. I just found it a bit made for TV. It just, it just, and then right at the end, it came up and it's, and it was made by BBC Films. And I was like, okay, well, fair enough. And I'm sure there's people out there that'll, that'll enjoy it a lot more than me. Um, it just, again, I've, I kind of saw the end coming. I sort of figured it out. Um, and, it, and when you do find out, it's, it's not exactly going to blow your head off, but, it's it's well done and if if you like that kind of thing which is she's recounting her life um she was one of twins and it's it's told in flashback and you keep going back and then you come back to the present day and olivia coleman's thinking oh you know maybe i'll investigate what she just said and then she's going digging around and you know you get you get the vibe you get the feeling yeah um uh i yeah like i said i i thought it was okay um but at no point was I really going like, wow, you know, this is fucking great. It, you know, I, I, it didn't ever really grip me. So there you go. Maybe that, maybe that is the kind of sort of TV element that I'm talking about. Never mind. Anyway, um, next up, Ghostbusters Aftermath. Yeah, fucking loved it. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, just snappy dialogue, great effects, um, doesn't take ages to get going or for, you know, for kids to be believed that there's actual ghosts out there. Everything starts kicking off. I mean, it's got Paul Rudd in it. What more do you need? Carrie Coon, who is brilliant as the mother and I love her. She's a fantastic actress. Um, she was, a, I first, first watched her in a mad Sky TV series, um, the, the name of which I can't remember at the moment. Um, sorry to do that to you. Um, but yeah, she, she's great. And 
uh, yeah, just it just it paid the right amount of homage to the original movies, kept the comic beats, um, and uh, you know there's a cameo here and there, and I just I loved it. I felt I, I felt like I was a kid again, really did, and it was it you know it didn't outstay its welcome. Um, you know, you, you're not sort of, it's not dragging on and on. It was just, just really enjoyable. Don't want to say too much about it because, you know, it's the, one of those things that you're either going to watch or you're not. Well, I think if you're going to watch it, you're going to enjoy it. That's, I, I really, really did, really enjoyed it. Um, and keep watching to the very end. That's all I'm saying. Uh, next up, being the Ricardos. Now, the biggest comedy, well, the biggest sitcom on planet Earth in the 60s was I Love Lucy. And this is the story of Lucy Arnaz and Desi Arnaz, her husband, who also paid husband and wife on screen as the title characters, Lucy and husband. It's called Being the Ricardos. Um, Lucy is played by Nicole Kidman and Desi is played by... Um, oh, come on, don't do this to me. For some reason, he's one of those actors whose names always escapes my ADHD adult brain. Um, come on, right, I'm going to pause for a sec. This is really annoying me because I, I had it right there. Javier Bardem, that's it. That was not paused very long, all right? Okay, my brain is not fucked. Um, so it's Javier Bardem and, um, uh, as I said before, Nicole Kidman, they are brilliant as the lead couple there is some great there's some great laughs the dialogue is sharp and snappy a lot of scenes are in the comedy writing room and it is yeah i enjoyed it and and it's a bit like the eyes of tammy faye it's it never really it you know it, it, it's not a roller coaster ride whereas the weird thing is you kind of get the feeling if the people who made this made the eyes of tammy faye it would have been a lot more enjoyable. And if the people who made The Eyes of Tammy Faye made Being the Ricardos, it would have been a bit ploddy and a bit, you know, just procedural. Whereas it is really, really, really snappy. Now, there's no, there is no massive sort of, you know, climax or amazing thing. There's just lots of um, really great scenes with really great dialogue showing how the cast worked together for years and years and 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 how they built the um uh, an incredible chemistry and kept it going for so long and also it has to be said that um lucy clearly was a comedy genius she just absolutely fucking knew instinctually comedy beats she absolutely had it and um i mean uh, you know according to this movie which i'm taking to be a faithful account of how good she was um i yeah i i, I enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i would i'm you know i don't yeah, it's before my time um so it's kind of educational as well <laughs> if, you, if you really go that far um but some some great uh supporting performances as well really really enjoyed it um and like i said it, it's it's not a story i know it's not a show that i know um but just just really well told really well paced as well i can forgive a movie a lot of things if the pacing is right 
if it if it just keeps moving, keeps you on your toes. It's directed by Aaron Sorkin and it's written by Aaron Sorkin. Now he famous for his dialogue from um, the West Wing. Oh, and also a brilliant performance by J.K. Uh, J.K. Simmons as well. And um, yeah, just I I I definitely say if it sounds like something you're thinking of giving a go, give it a go. Now this couldn't be more different. Next up, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Well, Escape Room was all about a load of kids uh, invited somewhere and all of a sudden they couldn't get out of the room and then they had to try and get out of the room and then someone dies and whilst they managed to get out of the room, they figure out how to get the room into another room. Well, that was the plot of the first movie, Escape Room. And Escape Room Tournament of Champions ain't going to let you down. It's not far off, more of the same, except with a bit more background and a bit more going on behind the scenes because they're try because the people who survived the first movie are trying to figure out who is behind this fucking bullshit. Um, it's functional, it's fun. If you enjoy the escape room, tournament of champions won't let you down. Um, and it totally leaves the door open for escape room three. So yeah, give them a whirl. I, I, I enjoyed them. Nothing amazing, but give them a whirl. Next up, The Night House. Now, The Night House is kind of a classic ghost story, but with kind of not, and it really keeps you guessing. It is, It really is um, atmospheric, v- really atmospheric. It starts with, um, it starts at a funeral, and a, um, a wife has lost her husband, and she goes home, and she's back in a house and she starts hearing things, seeing things, thinking he's still alive, thinking he's a ghost in the house. They live on a lake. She sees lights across the lake. She's not sure. She goes to investigate one day, bumps into the neighbor. The neighbor needs to, seems to know something that he's not telling her. And it's, you know, all the in- classic ingredients are here of what you'd expect from a um uh you know a ghostly tale and um i found it um functional gripping nothing uh nothing really amazing but do you know what for 90 minutes totally absorbing and if you like that kind of thing then do it do it damn it now the only movie in here that is a documentary and I really wasn't sure. I totally took a flyer on this. So when The Rock appears, Dwayne Johnson, right at the very beginning, and he starts talking about how stuntmen are, like, you know, the backbone of Hollywood and everybody needs a good stuntman. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and I was like, and now, um, you know, now watch the story of Eddie Braun. Um, and I was like, is this a piss take? Is this a comedy? quickly realised that it wasn't and it follows professional stuntman Eddie Braun as he prepares and attempts the most dangerous dangerous stunt in cinematic cinematic history basically he is going to try and jump Snake Canyon in a homemade rocket now if that rings a bell to any of you older listeners that's because it's the same canyon that Evil Knievel tried to jump in a rocket and he failed. Um, and it wasn't the rocket that malfunctioned, but the parachute malfunctioned, came out almost straight away, which stopped it getting across the canyon. So Eddie Braun, as a kid, was inspired by Evil Knievel to end up being a stuntman. 
He's not a daredevil. He's a stuntman. And the son of the guy who built the original rocket wants to clear his family name because he knows he's got a rocket that can do the job. And you then follow the story of, you know, you meet Eddie, you find about who he is, you see him, see stunts he's done. You may have seen some. He's one of the best, most well-renowned stuntmen in the business. You get a little window into the world of um, stuntmen and, you know, how they look out for each other and that just that that whole thing. Um, you go with Eddie to a, a town meeting and 40 years later, the town near Snake Pass are still pissed off with Evil Kim Evil. Um, and it's 90 minutes and it is, I found it fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Especially when sometimes you're flying the wall on conversations you almost don't really think that you should be listening to. Like when Eddie turns to his oldest son and he's got two daughters as well. And he turns to his oldest son and basically makes him promise if I don't come back, you have to walk your sisters down the aisle. You have to promise me. You have to promise me that you'll do that. And his son promises that he will. And this is a fly on the wall. It's not a Hollywood documentary. There's no big budget behind this, as as becomes apparent whilst it's being made and finances are just disappearing. Come on board, disappear. And... When you see those kind of scenes, for real, fly in the wall, I genuinely was, like, moved, obviously, but also slightly uncomfortable, because you're just thinking, did I, did I, did I just, did that, did I just see that? Shouldn't that have been a conversation, like, off camera? That's almost disturbing. Um, I loved it. It's on Disney+. Plus. Stuntman. Um... If there's if you've if you've got Disney Plus, if you know somebody who's got a login you can borrow, check out Stuntman. Really enjoyed it. Um, something else I didn't enjoy: <laughs> all that money and all those stars. A Marvel movie that for me, very. I mean, they all hit the mark, but I'm sorry, Eternals, nah, just not happening for me at all, at all. Um, it's, I don't know, it just never hits any of the right beats for me. Never at all. Um, there is some, there is some seriously wooden performances going on in this. Um, but more importantly, what really did my head in was, um, Kingo, played by, uh, Kumail uh, Nanjani, who is a brilliant comic actor. But he just does the same annoying, smart-talking comic thing through the whole fucking movie. And it was irritating as fuck. And the fact that he's got... Uh, he's supposedly a big Holly, a Bollywood star and he brings, like, his mate, who's an old bloke with a camera... To film all of their adventures that are going to go. It, oh, it, a comedy device that was just purely irritating. And I, I like the guy. He's a brilliant comic actor. But just fucking no. And the casting of Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek just felt a bit hokey. It felt a bit like... 
I don't, it felt a bit token. If I'm honest, I'm going to go out there and say it. It felt a bit token. It felt a bit, oh, let's get some older female, um, actors in, into the lineup. And it just didn't work for me. Richard Madden, who I really like, wooden as fuck in this movie. Fucking splinters in my eyes every time he speaks. Kit Harrington from, um, uh, from Game of Thrones. Totally undercooked role, um, fucking pointless um Gemma Chan is great loved humans back in the day um but they seem to be given so little to work with and at times it's really tonally all over the place really is there there, there is a scene not long into it where somebody is told that somebody has died now this person has gone to go and get one of their pies they're good at making pies and they've got this pie in a pan right and it's already made okay and they're told this person has died and they just hold the pan by their side and then and the pie slips out of it ha 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 he's just been fucking told somebody he's known for a very long time has died and that seems to be an appropriate moment to try and throw in a little bit of slapstick pie humour. Fucking tone-deaf piece of shit. Honestly, I I know there's some people out there who absolutely love this movie and fawn all over it and think it's wonderful, and I'm glad that they got that out of this movie. I thought it was tonally all over the place. Just, just woeful. Really, really disappointed. Really, really disappointed. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for a chance to see it. And finally saw it. And I was just like, oh, fucking hell, really? Uh, Anywho. Uh, Next up was um, Dying of the Light. This is from 2014. As regular listeners know, I am a bit of a Nicolas Cage fan. I hadn't seen this, so I watched it. Paul Schrader wrote it. Paul Schrader directs it. Nicolas Cage leads in it. Alongside Anton Yelchin. Rest in peace. Sadly lost to us now. Um, He's the young Russian actor who was in... Who played Chekhov in the first few Star Trek movies. He's also the lead in Green Room. Fucking awesome film. Um, And... It's got all the ingredients of being a fucking brilliant movie. It's not. Okay. Surprise. Um, but I, I, I still worth, I still enjoyed it. I gave it a watch. It's 90 minutes. Check it out if you like, you know, it's probably, it's probably mean, you know, I probably enjoyed it more. <laughs> I probably enjoyed it more than I should have done. Um, here's a movie that I enjoyed, enjoyed way more. Than I thought I was going to. Zombieland Double Tap. Um, yeah, I could barely remember um, Zombieland, but came back and straight away Jesse Eisenberg is doing a really engaging voiceover saying, hey, you know, welcome back. It's been all these years, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it has, hasn't it? And it just addresses that straight up the top. Woody Harlson is brilliant in it. Um, Jesse Eisenberg's brilliant in it. Emma Stone's brilliant in it. Abigail Breslin's brilliant in it. But for me, star of the show, Zoe Dutch. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's D-E-U-T-C-H. So I'm I'm guessing maybe the E is silent or it's silent or it's Zoe Dutch or but anyway. Uh she plays the role of Madison 
absolutely brilliant. Uh, Just her comic timing, delivery, that character is fucking fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed Zombieland Double Tap. There's nothing to say. I mean, you know, it's it's zombies, you know, etc, etc. Uh, if you haven't seen Zombieland, definitely check that out first and then bang straight in Zombieland Double Tap. It's just, it was so much fun and so funny. Just so funny. Constantly funny. It is a comedy and it doesn't get maudlin, doesn't get distracted by a by a love interest. There's no subplot of getting people to get, it's just fucking funny. And it's on the move, really well paced. Um... I really, as you can guess, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I really, really did. Um, yeah, Zombieland, Double Tap, definitely worth checking out. I think uh, you're currently on Netflix um, and, you know, you could do a lot worse for like an hour and 40 minutes of your time. You really could. Um, now, it's funny that I should say that because next up is a movie that's not a movie. The movie is called Ray Donovan. And it's actually, it's just a one hour, 40 minute episode of Ray Donovan. Because the series got cancelled, but things were still, there was some things that were left hanging that needed sorting. Well, they get sorted in this movie. It's pointless watching this if you haven't watched all seven seasons of Ray Donovan, which I had. So... You know, this review really is for you. Maybe the five of you who've actually done all of that. And it does the job. It ties some loose ends up. For me, unfortunately, the pacing of the movie, thus the whole thing, is crippled by constant flashbacks. Constant flashbacks that don't exist in the TV series at all. Well, they do. There is some flashback in the TV series, but nowhere near the ratio in this movie i it's got to be nearly it's got to be what 60 40 40% flashback i mean it's just too much fucking flashback it's probably not as much 40% i'm probably making it up it just seems like that much but i was just like oh god there's got to be at least 10 to 12 to maybe 15 scenes of flashback i mean too much we're here we're at the end of seven seasons just tie up the little bits and pieces that were left hanging at the end of season seven but for some reason the movie seems to feel like it's got to tie up a load of things that ran all the way through the whole seven seasons and you can't do all of that in one hour 40 minutes but is it a satisfactory conclusion yeah it's a conclusion Did I feel like, oh, great, I'm really glad I watched that, you know, and it's all tied up? Nah, not really. Did I enjoy seven seasons of Ray Donovan? Yes. Should I stop asking myself questions? Fucking definitely. It's fucking annoying. Um, Final movie. Final movie is The Hustle. I came into this not realising that it was a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which itself is a remake of an old David Neville film. So, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels starred Steve, uh, starred Steve Martin and uh, Michael Caine. In this movie, the Michael Caine role is played by... Oh, it's going to really annoy me now because for some reason my brain is broken. So, the Steve Martin role is played by Rebel Wilson and the um, 
Michael Caine role is played by, honestly, she is a huge Anne Hathaway. That's it. And it's, and I was, I was like, I didn't know that it was a remake, but early on there was a scene and they, and it's set in the same, it, it, it they, they include the same location. And it's, um, I can't remember the name of the place. It's Sudamere or something like that. I was like, hang on, that rings a bell. Hang on, I know what's going on here. Now, I then looked it up on IMDb, and it's actually directed by, um, well, I wouldn't say a friend, but an acquaintance of mine called Chris Addison, the UK stand-up comedian. I'm sure you've seen Chris Addison on various things. Um, and he does, he does a bang-up job of the direction. I really enjoyed this. I, there is some, there is some huge laughs. Rebel Wilson is always fucking, you know, hilarious and watchable. Um, as is, um, oh God, I'm really doing my head in today, isn't it? Um, as is Anne Hathaway, who is always watchable. She plays it straight really well. Um, Rebel Wilson's got all the best lines. And I really, really enjoyed it as a, as a, you know, hashtag me to girl power remake of a, of a movie that used to be all men. I found it the perfect version of that kind of thing where it's brought something new to it it's brought a different angle to it it's just as funny and i really really enjoyed it and it's had some fucking savage reviews it's on netflix by the way it's had some savage reviews i was like oh um i remember one saying oh um hathaway and wilson are um there's no chemistry there and it's like they're acting in different films okay that's your opinion but I don't know. How about fucking no? I really enjoyed it. Really, really funny. Um, and like I said, if you're gonna re, if you're gonna do these, uh, you know, these remakes of movies um, with an with an all female cast, this is how to do it. And I'm not saying that because it was directed by somebody I know, because you know, I'd walk past him in the street, you wouldn't know who I was. There you go. Wouldn't I? I wouldn't exactly say that's uh, relevant. It's. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Really funny. Even there's some reviews saying there's hardly any laughs in it. Fucking honest, there's plenty of laughs. Plenty of laughs. If you want a 90 minute comedy to watch with um, with your partner, male or female, whatever, I I I would definitely recommend this. And then please do tweet me, Instagram me, and tell me um, that I was right. Okay. <laughs> and and if I was wrong, well. Never mind. Comedy is very subjective, as we know. Um, but I really enjoyed it. So there you go. Right. That's the end of the movies. Now onto the TV series. Yep. There's more to come, folks. It's going into the TV series. But I need to take a break because I've been talking constantly for an hour and three minutes. And I need a drink of water. Do bear with me. You'll be back to our regular programming any minute. So it is on to TV shows. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. I've managed to get through quite a few series of TV as well because I've been doing fuck all other than watching stuff, really. So, you know, that's how come you get another movie bollocks so hard on the heels of the last one. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Bit of a COVID cough there. Right, I'm going to start with The Landscapers. Now, wow, what a way to start. This is a, um, a HBO original. And that explains quite a lot for me. Um, it stars Olivia Coleman and David Thewlis as a couple 
They are a devoted, mild-mannered British couple become the focus of an extraordinary investigation when two dead bodies are discovered in the back garden of a house in England. It's a true story. Now, in the movie, when we were talking about movies, we had we had King Richard, which is a true story and brilliantly done. And we also had the true stories of um, uh, Living with the Ricardos, the I Love Lucy. And we also had The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And The Eyes of Tammy Faye was a bit procedural. And whilst um, Living with the Ricardos was snappy and funny, um, it was also slightly procedural as well. Um now, Landscapers is just on another level. Olivia Coleman is brilliant as always. David Thewlis is absolutely fucking brilliant as well. The two of them together are amazing. But the real star of the show, for me, is the way, the, the show itself, the way it's done. Um, it's created by Ed Sinclair and Will Sharp and it is just brilliant. And when I said that um, it, it's a HBO Max and that explains a lot, the reason why I say that is because if this was a BBC um, show, it would be procedural, as I've mentioned before. It would literally tell the story of what happened and that would be it. In this, you are treated to, right from the opening scene, you are treated to a completely different approach on how to do this. There is dark humour, there is obvious humour, there is a fascination with the characters, but also there is surrealism and often um, uh, characters will walk off the set of, of, of the scene that you're watching and characters will follow them and then go into another set and at times it, 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 at times it is just you're struggling to keep up with it but never annoying never too much it was always really on the money and the final episode has to be seen to be believed because the whole thing is surreal and it, it doesn't go silly it doesn't go stupid it doesn't go too far it always remains in the realm of sensible at no time did I find myself you know shouting at the screen oh fuck off you know what are you doing no not at all I was just captivated um I instantly recommend recommended to a few of my friends and you are all of my friends so I'm recommending it to you as well as well as the two main stars um a shout out for Kate O'Flynn who's brilliant as DC Emma Lansing um uh, David Heyman is also brilliant in it. And there's, there's lots of minor roles, but the two main characters who carry the, you know, the large majority of the whole thing are utterly brilliant. And it is one of those things when you're watching it, you're thinking, wow, this is a true story. But also as you're watching it, you're thinking this is being told in a way that is, like I said, almost slightly surreal at times, but it's a true story. And that juxtaposition of of taking something that is real and then just twisting it, twisting the reality in which it takes place, works so well. It won't work for everybody, but for me, it really did. It really did knock my socks off. I thoroughly recommend Landscapers. Uh, next up, completely different, just arrived on Amazon, is Key and Peel. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, it's those two very famous. Um, well, they're, they're famous now, but this is how they got their start 
Um, now we're we're basically talking um, about. Hang on a second. I'm just gonna. I, I kind of I kind of started doing this, and I thought, you know what? I need to actually say who they are um, because I've forgotten. Right. So basically. Um, you will, you will know these guys, right? So you've got, um, uh, Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele. Now, both have gone on to do huge things. Um, the movie Us, um, uh, the movie Get Out, uh, the TV series Us. It's all sorts. I mean, they're, you know, and then, uh, Jordan Peele responsible for the reboot of the Twilight Zone, but they started out in sketch comedy. And, um, it's it's brilliant it's i mean it it's it's a bit hit and miss like all sketch shows it's a bit hit and miss but um i'm on to season two really enjoying it and i you know i suggest i i look like any sketch show it's hit and miss as i just said but for me it hits more than it misses and there is five seasons to go at and it just gets better so uh yeah Really good, really enjoyable. Next up, I've rewatched The Mandalorian season one, season two. Fucking absolutely brilliant. If you like Star Wars and you haven't seen them, just get Disney Plus for for one month and treat yourself. Watch the whole thing. In fact, wait, wait, because the book of Boba Fett has just started, and that is brilliant as well. So my advice is wait until the book of Boba Fett series is finished. And then get yourself a Disney Plus subscription for a month and just smash through The Mandalorian and the, Bug, the Book of Boba Fett. If you are a Star Wars fan, if you've only, even if you've only got a passing interest in Star Wars, you need to watch both series of The Mandalorian and this first season of The Book of Boba Fett. You really, really do. They are some of the best Star Wars stuff you will see at all. That includes all of the movies. It is fucking brilliant. Next up on Netflix, Stay Close. It's a Corbin Harlan uh, UK version of um, of his book. Now, if you know the writer, he 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 writes page turners, and to a certain extent, you know that turns these books into TV series that become um, something that you know you've just got to watch another episode and another episode. And at times, you will kind of out loud say, "Oh, really, really," but you've still got to watch another episode. Um, it's, it's, it really does, it really does test your patience and credibility from time to time. But ultimately, Stay Close, I did find to be quite, quite rewarding in the end. So not exactly a ringing endorsement, but if you're looking for something that keeps your interest and you want to just keep flicking episode, 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 Stay Close is, is one of those. But if you want something that is really clicking over to episode, 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 and is really high quality, then look no further than The Tourist. Currently on um, the BBC, and after I kind of kind of slagged them off when I was talking about um, landscapers, um, this is brilliantly done. This is absolutely brilliantly done. Uh, it stars Jamie Dornan. He's fucking absolutely brilliant as always i i really like jamie dornan he's one of my favorite accent actors but also daniel uh, danielle mcdonald boy does she does she punch above her weight as well she gives as good as she gets she is absolutely brilliant in it 
Um, it's about a guy. A man wakes up in an Australian outback with no memory. He must use the first few clothes, uh, clues he has to discover his identity before his past catches up with him. Um, it's funny. It's well. It's it says here drama, mystery, thriller. And do you know what? There should be comedy as well because there is some cracking lines in it. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I can, uh, you know, uh, snappy dialogue. I can forgive a movie or a TV series a hell of a lot if it's got snappy dialogue. And this has, and it's funny. It's well acted. It's believable. It's gripping. It's thrilling. It keeps you guessing. I kind of liked it. You re- you you're getting that? So the tourist, easy to watch if you're in the UK because it's on BBC iPlayer. Go go watch it. If you've been thinking about watching it, stop putting it off. And if you weren't going to watch it, you are now. Um, next up, Midnight Mass. That is on Netflix. I'm not going to reveal what this series is ultimately about. But if you haven't watched it because you've thought, mm, well, basically the premise is a new, a new priest arrives um, to an island community and miracles start happening. Now, if you if, if that is putting you off, don't be like me because that's what put me off. But do you know what? I heard good things about it. Funnily enough, from um, from the guest on last um, Movie Bollocks, which is Ed Box. And he said, no, he's really worth a watch. It's a Stephen King. So I did. Thank you, Ed. Thank you very much. Really, I must admit, I did guess what was going on. And I did guess what was lurking in the background pretty much straight away. But that did not stop me enjoying the way it rolls out. Now... If you are a car-carrying atheist like myself, you are going to find times where where you want to punch the overtly religious people here. And to be honest, I would imagine if you do if if, if you do have faith, there is there is going to be times where you want to punch some of these uh, some of these uh, very religious people as well, um, because they are that annoying. And it's a bit of a meditation on how overtly religious people can actually justify pretty much anything. an extremist belief but it's done in a supernatural manner um because it's a stephen king and i i think i've said enough i don't want to give anything away definitely definitely worth a watch it is compelling and it and there are twists and turns next up couldn't be more different again on netflix tv series called made m-a-i-d this is the story of a young mother who decides to leave her uh, emotionally abusive boyfriend who's, who she's been living with and, um, yeah, go out with her daughter and find somewhere to live. After fleeing an abusive relationship, a young mother finds a job cleaning houses as she fights to provide for her child and build them a better future. Now, that doesn't really sound like a, a TV series that um, I think I would watch. But I watched it because I saw an interview... Um, with one of its stars, which is, um, oh, what's her name? Just looking it up. Um, Andy McDowell. Now, she's not my favourite actress by, by long, long chalk. But um, the lead, Margaret Qualley, is Andy McDowell's daughter. So it's mother and daughter playing mother and daughter. Andy McDowell plays a part of an absolute nut job. Total nut job, right? So um, you've... Uh, it is it is gripping. I found it really gripping. It is it 
plugs on the heartstrings. It is emotionally draining. It is also funny. Um, it's gripping. It's it, it, and it's a true story. I mean, okay, it's the it's a drama of a true story. Um, but the woman who wrote this did leave an abusive relationship. Her daughter took her first steps in a homeless shelter, um, and she was a writer, and she was also a maid. So, you know, I'm sure there's poetic license at work here, but also to know that there is so much truth behind this, you can see from a writing perspective why it's so good and why it rings so true. It's because, because for, for want of a better phrase, this is about somebody living their truth. <laughs> um, seriously, this is something um, to watch together with with a partner um, or on your own. Um, but it, it's it, it is quite it, it's quite the series. It's called a limited series because I think you know there's only going to be one season. Um, but I have to say I am I've got one or two more episodes to go, and I've really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. So. Yeah, cool. Now, something I thought I would enjoy and I'm absolutely fucking loving is Peacemaker. Peacemaker is a character played by John Cena, ex-wrestler who um, you might have seen um, in The Suicide Squad, which is the um, uh, the good version of The Suicide Squad. Um, and Peacemaker is is a brilliant character in that. He gets his own series here. I'm three episodes in and it is one of the funniest and most violent things I've seen in a long time. And I love both of those. I love my comedy and I love my violence. And this is and and throw in superheroes as well. Also throw in, guess it right, throw in lots of 80s metal as well. Mainly hair metal. But even one episode plays out. To Love Bomb Baby by Tiger Tales. Yeah, I mean, attention to detail. Wow. James Gunn has done a brilliant job. It's a brilliant series. It's three episodes in and I have fucking loved it so far. Um, then I'm now on to season four. I think it is of Cobra Kai. That's right. It's the TV series of The Karate Kid. If you're not aware of it by now, what are you doing? Get onto Netflix. Start on season one. It's funny. It's well done, and it's got, again, 80s hair metal soundtrack. I don't like 80s hair metal, but it takes me back to those days, you know? It really does. And when you hear Motley Crue looks that kill coming in the background and people, you know, trying to learn karate and doing it badly, it is pretty funny. Um, So, yeah, Cobra Kai, sort your life out, see it. And finally, finally, the reboot of Dexter, the final series or is it um if you were disappointed with the way dexter ended get your fucking head around this it's brilliant it's awesome um uh michael c uh, michael c hall is just as brilliant as ever he just slips into the character absolutely like he's never been away that voiceover is 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 all over um and it it's just brilliant Dexter, New Blood, Michael C. Hall, it totally, totally works. He's out, it set 10 years after Dexter Morgan went missing in the eye of a hurricane, Laura. He is now living in an assumed name in upstate New York, Iron Lake, far from his original home in Miami. It's all snowy and all that shit. 
Um, and and it's 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 great. I absolutely loved it. I really, really did. I thought it was absolutely superb. And um, Clancy Brown as Kurt Caldwell is also fucking awesome in this. Clancy Brown, uh, how would I recommend? How would I um, how would I remind you of him? If you've seen. Um, uh, another Stephen King one, um, and everyone, everyone's seen the Shawshank Redemption, right? Well, he's the fucking prison guard. Get yourself out here now, you fat barrel of monkey spunk! What about lawyers? Bunch of ball-washing bastards! Him. He's fucking awesome in this. There is a, there's a little bit of wokeness here and there, but you know what? I, I, I thought it was, I, I thought it was well done, and it, and it, and it didn't take me out, it didn't take me out the drama and think, oh, good lord, that's been crowbarred in. Um, which is always my which is always my complaint when something is is over, trying to be overly representative, um, it takes you out of the drama. But not in this case at all. And just a fantastic series. Really enjoyed it. If you've got any passing interest in Dexter, then watch this. So that concludes all the movies that I've been watching whilst I've been isolated, and all the TV programs I've been watching whilst I've been isolated. But what we're going to finish with now is what you've read about in the description. You know there's a guest coming on because both myself and Paul Waller separately, he of the Parish of A Year in Horror podcast, get subscribed if you're not already, both went to see the new Scream movie within one day of each other. We both went to see it. And this is us talking about what we thought about it. I'm not keeping this bit for the audio podcast, that's for sure. Oh, that's fucking weird. <laughs> oh, my God. I can God. see what's happened here. This hasn't finished since my last podcast. <laughs> Get rid of this shit. How are you, Ooh. mate? Oh, I'm well. I'm well, dude. How are you? Um, hmm. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, I know. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll answer properly. I'm still getting over uh, COVID. Um so I've, I've got a uh, DJ voice that I don't normally sound this fucking raspy and gravelly man, but I am at the moment. I sound like, I sound like uh, John Bush at the end of an armored saint set. Uh, um, for, uh, there's, there's a reference for the kids. Um, right. Before I forget, I have to ask you, boom, straight in. There's two films that I, that I, that I want you to check out and they're both on Netflix. So it's easy to get to, Right. And that is, oh, actually, this might be on, this might be on Amazon, but it's A Good Woman is Hard to Find. Right, yeah. Uh, and another one, which is uh, Coming Home in the Dark. So Coming Home in the Dark, it's on my list, yeah. haven't seen. Good Woman, Hard yeah. to Find. Yeah. I thought it was going to be shit. Watched it anyway. Really enjoyed it. I, I, I mean, fucking hell, eh? there's 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 even over there's even overtones for me of um uh of dead man's shoes about it almost like almost like a northern irish dead man's shoes kind of just gritty dirty fucking hell that hurts vibe it's not very well known sort of thing and it's one of them titles that you would think you're gonna scroll past that and it's at least gonna stick in your head uh but yeah uh it's, it's as far as I'm aware, it's really underwatched. I don't know what the mm. letterbox says, like how many people have ticked it as you have seen that. But with net Netflix stuff, usually you're in the tens of thousands, and that one is not there. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it, the thing is, there's like 
it's 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 very simple it's short it's to the point it's almost like everything happens in it that you think is going to happen you know there's there, there, there wasn't many surprises for me but it's it's like it's what what somebody will do when they're driven to the edge and how far you know a normal person may be pushed and what they may do with their backs against the wall to protect their family um and and and, and yeah and everybody in it is is fantastic it's well made it's well written um yep. you know I, I there's just there's a there's a, a there's a lot to like about it it's so slick uh, and it looks really good and i tell you what going back to to um last night in soho that again looks so slick but yes. as i say there is something about it that it, it just didn't gel for me um and i, I reckon I, I what I, I think it might be is yeah. anna taylor joy because <sighs> right okay i i think that i don't think she's overrated but i just think she now knows how impressive she is so she does yeah seeping, it was seeping through um it's really I, I i find it really difficult to put into words when you know someone is just trying a little bit too hard it's, it's she's co- got it yeah. she knows it. it it's called the christoph Waltz effect okay yeah because in, in inglorious bastards he's brilliant and in everything else you go oh fuck off you cunt do do another do another fucking shtick, will you? Is this all you've got? It's like you know he did that role, he got an Oscar for it, and went. Do you know what? I'm going to do that in every film from now on because I just fucking got an Oscar for it. You know, so I'm you done. Rest on them Oscar laurels for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I personally, I think Thomas and Mackenzie is a is a very exciting like young actress i really right? do yeah definitely I, I think she's absolutely um brilliant in leave no trace um i don't know it. and oh my god that's the film that that is the film that brought her to prominence it is heartbreakingly beautiful it's one for you and your good lady wife to sit and watch and she can turn to you and go for once paul that wasn't a fucking effort you're telling me there's no zombies in this one. Oh, yeah. I'm afraid so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Leave, leave no trace. It was, it was one of Mark Commode's films of the year, the year it came out. Oh, and okay. it, it's one of those movies where no one's acting in it. Do you know what I mean? Ev- everybody is just, it's, it's all, it's, you know, it's not almost like a documentary, but it, 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 it is, it's just got that vibe of, again, I'm going to go back to dead man's shoes and, you know, the um, a good woman is hard to find. Where you 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 feel like you're in the company of people as opposed to watching actors. You know, fair enough. And yeah, it's, fair it, enough. Yeah, leave no trace. It's it's really beautifully heartbreaking. It really is. It really this is, is so strange. Normally, I listen to your movie bollocks. <laughs> I'm jotting down films that I haven't seen, and now I'm actually <laughs> seeing you doing a mental note. <laughs> right, okay. That, one, that, one. <laughs> that, that is that is quite amusing actually yeah I like it. <laughs> oh good good <laughs> um uh are, are, are you are you into marvel and stuff no not particularly i oh, won't right. even include include them on my um oh, the sci-fi corner part and like fantasy i just won't do it although do you know what one of my favorite ever films is the first superman 
Like I, I just right. love that. Yeah, but that's um, not that. That's that's you know that that doesn't count. I went to see Superman one and Superman two at the movies for my like tenth birthday or something like that. Um, there you go. Yeah, back to back. That's the way to party. That is. Um, uh, that was probably the year before. I think it was Herbie rides again. And, um, and there's a bit in the film where, where even better. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a bit there's a bit in the film where two cars crash and they go into like a V like that, and the whole audience and the whole place was pissing themselves. And apparently, I stood up in the middle of the cinema and shouted, "That's not funny!" And it's like there you go, like opinionated, opinionated wanker at such a very young age. <laughs> it says a lot. It does, but, doesn't it? But all three of them films are great. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm riffing with this. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Well, Love well, it. no, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna upset you now because um, no, I was listening, I was listening to your podcast in the bath, and um, <laughs> I know, yes, it's easy, easy, um, and um, I, I was listening to 2004, and you were about to get to number one and it's why what one thing that i love about your podcast is that um once you get into the top five it's like you do a review of the movie and and as a listener i'm sat there thinking well how can anything be better than that and then you do the next one and you think well how can anything be i mean you've just raved about that how's something better than that and then you get to saw at number three spoiler alert you know stop now if you haven't listened to 2004 yet you get to you get to number three, and you're like the greatest twist of any movie ever, which of course it isn't. That's the usual suspects, but never mind. Um, um, the greatest twist ever, and I'm thinking, so how's that at number three? And then, <laughs> and then you get to number two, and you're absolutely going off it about Shaun of the Dead, and I'm thinking, what the fuck is number one? And I'm lying, I'm lying in the bath, and straight away you go. <laughs> This Mel Gibson directed, and I just go, dude, you have my permission to be correct. I'm just sat there. I'm nodding. I'm thinking I'm going to watch this tonight. It's put me totally in the mood for it. I love Apocalypto. (laughs) It's fucking what? (laughs) You totally caught me out. I can't... I, I thought genuinely thought it was Apocalypto, which is an absolutely brilliant film, also directed by Mel Gibson. Um, I, and- I saw it at the cinema, absolutely loved it, and I can't remember a bloody note of it now. But I, is it a genre film or is it just is it's, it just a film? It's 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 that it's that insanity of like human sacrifice and there's hardly any dialogue and it's all in, it's all in the jungle. And they're, it's like, you know, um, they're, they're throwing heads down huge steps and worshiping gods and making sacrifices. And it's just like completely fucked up, but it's also like an adrenaline packed action thrill ride <laughs> through the jungle with loincloths and no dialogue. Um, but it, it, but it's, I mean, yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, you, a complete left turn. So, so anyway, fuck you and watch your apocalypse tonight. <laughs> Sorry, I, I meant, I, can... I meant thank you. Sorry. Do you know what? From, from me putting, uh, Passion of the Christ at number one, I thought that's it. Like I've, I've included Terminator. I include so many films that people like will get in touch with me and then say, that's not a horror. And you know, like being the gatekeepers and everything, and I'm I'm yeah. cool with that because I'm just the same with things that I don't agree with. Yeah, um, I probably won't contact the person, but I will at least <laughs> make a mental note 
Yeah. I'm not having that. Yeah. Uh, um, Sidebar, sidebar, sidebar. Go on. Go on. No, no, the sidebar is he's talking to you, you lot who get in touch with your opinions. Do you know what you need to do? Start your own fucking podcast and stop bothering him, you pack of cunts. I I reply to everyone. (laughs) Uh, I bet you do. (laughs) I I never leave any stone unturned with it so like yeah. i'll get back to, to everyone and it takes a lot of my time like i'll be watching a movie and just like emailing back and stuff and i love it i love that sort of communication yeah. uh, but i haven't had no uh, negative stuff about putting that at number one apart yeah. from like people like going how do i get hold of this and that sort of thing you know wow people were into it and like I never saw it as a horror before. So I think I persuaded some people, but that's the one where I just thought I'm going to get so much shit for this. Uh, yeah. yeah. And surprisingly I, I didn't. Yeah. But the, but this is the thing. And it's like, this is, and, and I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. This is the moment, you know, you and I, we know that every single person who works in social media market marketing is a snake oil salesman because we have put so much shit out there that we thought was good and doesn't catch fire. And we've put stuff out there that we weren't that bothered about. And it goes mental. We know that it's all bullshit. You've got, you may have stats and all the rest of it, but you can't climb inside people's heads and find out what's going to catch on and what isn't. True. Yeah, of course it's, not. It's course mad. Not. It's it's just, and, that, and I, I love that. I mean, for instance, there is no computer in the world that would have predicted that in a worldwide pandemic, there would be a property boom. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's nice we can defeat technology occasionally, still as human beings. And in, and in movies. Yeah, well, never in movies. Come no, oh, come on. I was bringing it back to Terminator, dude. Come on. <laughs> I'm, do, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> you're always, always going to be trying way too hard to, get me to play ball with any common sense links like that yeah true um, i was thinking right how are we linking this into scream and i'm thinking ah, let's just let's just not we paid good money um to go to the cinema and see scream now whether or not this is it's not scream five clearly because this movie never stops telling you what it fucking is. <laughs> uh, just in case you needed reminding. Welcome to the final act. Oh, go fuck yourself. Um, I, I'm jumping ahead. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, Can we spoil this before we... I, I, look, I, I, look uh, they spoiled it by making it. Right. So, Good. so Good. yeah, yeah. If you don't want to listen to any spoilers... It, then seriously, why the fuck would you listen to a review of a movie you haven't seen yet? Um, oh, oh, that's right. You thought we were vaguely professional and wouldn't do spoilers. Well, ah. <laughs> <laughs> clearly don't know us. Um, so uh, it's not Scream 5. It's clearly Scream 1 again or a requel. And where did oh, I get that word from? Yeah, where did we get that word from? Again, from the fucking movie. Paul. Um, you asked me to whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. I messaged you and said it's just poofed and meh. And I think yeah. I was I think to be frank, I was being a bit generous. Right. Um I I agree. I could not wait another day to see it because things were starting to drip out, memes, things like that, and I didn't want the ending to to go away and maybe 
all the reviews that were coming out and all those like high scores were meaning something. When you yeah. said what you said, I was like, right, I need to know now. So enough's enough. So the next day, yeah, I, I, I went at 10 people in the cinema uh, all together and I had uh, an, a sort of as much fun watching the couple a few seats away from us giggle at every reference, every single reference as I did watching the film. It, it was extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I have never felt... Um, I felt like the movie... I felt like the movie was, like, constantly pulling on my sleeve going like me like me like me look at this bit look at this bit can you see what's going on have you seen can you see the subtext you can't okay i'm going to tell you what the subtext is well it's not subtext now it's fucking text yep um and and you can't argue with it because the movie will just shout at you and say well that's the point of what we're doing like at at every stage if you try and criticize it they can just flip it and say yeah 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 that's what we're doing yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's one it's one of those where when you say that you don't like it, you are opening up to oh, you didn't get it, and it's like well, no, I got it. That's what I didn't like about it because it got right on my fucking tits. Um, and but again, as I as as we were as we were doing over messaging, I, I have the message here, which is the which is the maybe we're just old message, which is um, <laughs> this is from this is from a a, a girl in her early twenties who said, um, uh, "I just realised why I enjoyed it. It's it's cos spelt c o z." Uh, it, it, and I, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I know. I know. It's language, darling. You can't fuck around with it. Um, it's it's because it speaks to my age group. It's like so. It, it's like so new age fear. Sorry, it's like so new age fear. Uh, I'm I'm not into the old stuff as I don't think they are very well made. Fucking what? And are out, outdated. There's a difference between outdated and out ma- and badly made. They were well made. They are outdated, as is everything that from 1996. Um, this one was telling the old story of Scream to the newer people. I think that means to young people. It also right. was in, it was also inclusive of different people that I can like relate to on a personal level. Vacuous twats. Um, whereas old people. Will um, will like they kept the original actors, you know what I mean. So it spoke to everyone, and this is the telling line at the end that I have an issue with, and it made me jump a lot. And right. that that for me, that for me, if I was in court, I would be saying, "Your Honor, I rest my case. The point of a horror film is not to make you jump." It's to fucking scare you. And this was as scary as a fucking children's tea party. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to pull apart, but let's just concentrate on that last bit. Um, Because I watched a film last night called Lights Out, and it's basically Jump Scare the Movie. Um, (laughs) Great title. I would never have guessed. Yeah. Uh, And and it works. 
and then it works and then it's oh okay and then it's oh my god come on it's the the law of diminishing returns exactly right and like people will say um you know it's really good if it's earned and there's only a couple uh, but I, being a horror nutcase, I I like them when they're not earned. I like them when they're not, but I just don't want to be bombarded with the same thing. And yeah. Scream, this version, did a, a clever thing at one point where you thought it was coming, and then you thought it was coming again, and then you thought it was coming. And what I would have done as a filmmaker, clearly I'm not, is just yeah. left that. Like, I, 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 no, I was exactly the same. I was thinking, I know what you're referring to. You're referring to the doors. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I was thinking, and I was thinking, oh, actually, no, this is quick. Uh, but no, no, couldn't resist. Could not resist it. Bush. Yeah. In it goes. I mean, I've separated this film into good to bad, and I fixed the ending as well. I've done that. Uh, nice. I'm really impressed with myself. Um, and yeah, I, I love it. So, is it all right to go through the good bits, the bad bits, and then th- that ending with you? Of, of I know course it, it feels isn't. like I'm interviewing you, but I really... No, I'm... no, no, not at all. But this, this isn't even an interview, is it? I mean, we've both seen the movie. We're having a chat about it, and it just so happens that we're recording it as well. Cool. <laughs> cool. I mean, I, I love it. When I started, I was sort of, do a couple of notes, but I've, I've written an A4, so... <laughs> Oh, well, far, far be it from me, far be it from me to to stand in the way of somebody who's actually done some work. Right, let, well, let's begin with like just the build up of this movie, okay? Because the press, the hype has been on point. Like as as a horror fan, they have gone the extra mile, and I I love that because it's going to get loads of bums on seats. Made me really excited for it when I'm not particularly excited for it. I think Scream, the original, amazing. The best film of that year. Love it to pieces. The others, pretty good. But nothing nothing should have generated that amount of, oh, I'm going to be watching this. I can't wait, you know. And yeah. it did. So well done them. Like, did you, did you get excited by that? Were you sucked in a bit like me? Um, I... I haven't been to the cinema since the last Terminator movie. Oh, wow. And I haven't been to the cinema that I saw this movie in for about three years. Um, And so to say, I mean, well, let's face, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I did your, I did your uh, podcast about the screen movies, you know, about the screen trilogy um so so yes i was i was excited but i'd also like i i avoid trailers as like like the plague i've got no interest in in hype or anything for here oh there's a new scream great i will do everything i can to avoid anything until i walk through those cinema doors you know it's like does my head in that people go oh the new spider-man trailer's out fucking what trailers have too much in it anyway you know i mean some sometimes you will sometimes you will see part of the final act in a fucking trailer they it's very much the same with the marvel thing though the studio pimp pretty much pimped out the directors the like the the actors to like uh, well podcasts like you start, you're starting to see this during COVID times. Like the podcasts are getting like big interviews, 
Yeah. Um, and it's difficult for them then to go on and say, Do you know what, it was a pile of shit because, you know, they've got um, whoever, you know, David Arquette yes. in front of them or whatever. So it is difficult to do that. But like, very good for, for like getting it into my face. Like there was no way I didn't know like yes. Scream 5 was coming out. No way. Yeah. But what impressed me the most watching this at the beginning is that switcheroo, uh, and it's been done before, uh, and it was done really well last year in Slumber Party Massacre, the re- reboot of that, or the requel, or whatever you want to call it, what they did that. But the yeah. male gaze thing just switched over. So now we're not looking at, like, a, a girl in the shower having her tits hanging out or whatever. Now we've yeah. got this hunky boy, uh, you know, water dripping down him. And I love that sort of subversion and it was the one time that the couple next to me weren't going. Yeah, and he was, and 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 to be fair, he was properly murdered. <laughs> well, let's get back to that. Right, they've called yeah. him Wes. That was fucking annoyed me, but still, Wes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, that bit where he has the knife through the neck. Um, I've not seen that that stab before, where it's so close to the edge of the skin. That and you yeah. and right right up close in the the camera does not shy away it's like it's literally like this like the effects guys should next to the cameraman going fucking stay on it for a good five minutes you know it's i took i took all day (laughs) yeah and well worth it like the um there was uh in halloween kills there was a fantastic sort of stabbing in that, which I hadn't seen before in the armpit. And I think now the films just have to sort of up the ante a bit. What can we do that hasn't been done before? And again, there's not a lot in screen, but that I really liked. And and when we, when we get off air, remind me to tell you about my, uh, about my vampire kill that, um, that I have to tell you about. (laughs) All right. All right, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Me, me too. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, yeah, you were saying like uh, also I just side sidebar. Um, it annoyed me that they they called him Wes. Um, that annoyed me. But what also annoyed me is that it's one of two names that Americans can't say. So if you're called Wes, you get called Wes. Yeah. And if you're co- and this is unexplainable, but if you are called Craig. For some reason, you are you're you're you're. It's pronounced Craig. Like the A and the I have just fucked off and been replaced by an E. Um, so yeah, yeah, Wes. That just annoys me. But anyway, you know. Uh, yeah, you're right, Craig. That's great. Um, I hate it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm Craigslist. Getting it wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to also say. Um, mm. I was not impressed by the acting overall, but for the first time, Neve Campbell, like absolutely M- MVP, MVP, and, and isn't that funny that we both that that like we both pinged that to each other in WhatsApp? Mm. It's like she and and what I thought it was, she brought she brought a she brought the and this is going to sound quite pretentious, um, she brought the gravity of the original trilogy to a lightweight popcorn fucking remake Mm. and all of, and, and her attitude seemed to sum up my attitude 
was like, well, they're going to get killed if they go there. Let's just fucking go down there. Oh, what a surprise. It's a fucking party. Right. Uh, ring, ring, I'm bored now. Fuck off. I'm just going to shoot people through fucking doors. Do you know, that's, that's like, this is what I would be doing. This is what I, this is what I'd like to do to the cast. You know, I think, um, I think it's spot on. Like there, there, there is definitely a gravity. There is those other films uh, as her backstory. So she hasn't got to do a lot, right? Because that's already all there. And yet she does. She, there's so much she does in just a few scenes that she's in. She's not in a lot of it, um, but she's yeah. definitely the star. I, I also want to mention um, Jasmine Savoy Brown, uh, the black girl uh, in this. Yes. Um, so what the one that I liked from the young cast, she's also in Yellow Coats. I don't know if you know that. Yellow Jackets. Yeah, thanks. Yellow yes. Jackets. That's the one. Yes, yeah. yeah I, I should have I, written that down. What a, yeah. dre- what a dreadful TV show that is, but never mind. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, let's call it Yellow Coats then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, Yellow Coats. Right. Uh, but yeah, she's in that. And um, I just thought, right, okay, I'm going to keep my eye on this one because like, I'm enjoying every scene she's in. She's sassy. Um, but again, yes. as, as she wasn't given a lot of screen time, screen time, uh, nor nor was Neve, which might might have been why I enjoyed being in their company so much because there wasn't much of it. That's the end of the good, though. I don't know if there was anything else that you want to pull from from the good. Um, yes, David Arquette, um, who uh, I, as soon as soon as you as soon as you kind of revisit him as soon as you see him in his trailer and he's watching Gale on the TV. I thought that was actually quite a nice way of saying this guy hasn't moved on. Um, And, you know, he's in a trailer, so he's a failure right off the bat. You know, there's like, yeah, his life is shit. It's never recovered. And, and the fact they try and drag him back in and he's like, why would I do that? You know, like, "Mm." like several like nerve endings fucked and all the rest of it like you're joking aren't you um and you know that there's just something about him but even at that point when a retired cop goes to a draw in his trailer this is a man who may have substance abuse issues and is clearly suffering from mental health issues still has his gun and badge. What kind of fucking police force, yeah, retires motherfuckers with their badge and gun? I'm just putting it out there. But anyway, he, you know, he... he this he, is not a good point. No, no. But against his better judgment, against his better judgment, this is what I love, against his better judgment, he comes back. To, he comes back. And, and I, I was like, this is against your better judgment. You are better than this, you know? And, uh, but I just thought, I thought David Arquette and Courtney Cox and um, Neve Campbell were the best three things in it. I don't know. Courtney Cox, not so much because it's as soon as I saw her, I was just like, wow, how much was your face? Um, Right. And is, are you sure you're in it? Are you sure you're in the earlier movies? Cause this, like your face isn't in the other movies. Do you know what I mean? It's it's really tricky. Like I, I thought, of course I thought that myself uh, and it does stop like Nicole Kidman was also in something about Lucio Ball recently. 
and I Be, watched being it, the and Ricardos. Was, that's it. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't go on because I couldn't finish it just because. I think you need to be able to move your face into into positions. Facial ex- facial but, expressions, facial expression is all you've got as a movie actor. You know, and and when when that's gone, it's not. But I don't want to don't I don't want to kink shame. Maybe that's what it is. It's like that's how they get their rocks off. So fair enough. But yeah, it makes it difficult as a as a viewer not to instantly be taken out of a film where when when you see it yeah it's it's tricky i don't yeah. I, I really I, I i struggle a lot with it because it it instantly would take me out of watching this if i was really invested in scream which as i said i'm not but if i really was i'd i'd be like this is another big stumbling point for me because it's i don't yeah. know no if someone had just gone what have you done to your face bang covered that's it and i yeah. know that's awful how could you do that like yeah. on screen but then yeah. it would be covered on screen uh you know and we could move on like as the audience because that would address it and you think if any film at all would ever do that it's going to be the scream franchise and it's going to be this particular episode of the scream franchise because that is mm. the uh, just about the only thing that it doesn't tell you about itself I, I felt like I was in the company of somebody who just wouldn't stop going on about themselves and about what they've done and about how clever they are and about how clever and new they are and trying to second guess what you think about everything. And it, 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 it it's like it, it was annoying. It was it was it, 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 it felt like it was um, it was it was really smug overpleased with itself it thinks it's better than it is it thinks it's cleverer than it is it thinks it's funnier than it is it thinks that it's scarier than it is it ain't fucking scary at all and my main problem with it a lot of it as well is everybody in it is just matchwood it just just torture because like i don't give a shit about any of these people getting killed here yeah some nice some gore but does does gore even count when you don't give a shit who the victim is? Well, as a horror fan, like you say gore, but there's eight kills. Uh, you know, we, we, I'd mentioned Halloween kills. I think there's just under 30 or something in that. Um, and if you're going to, if you're going to like compare these blockbuster films, which you shouldn't have to, but I am, uh, then they've made pretty much the same money on the opening weekends. They're going to finish up about the same Neither of them um, are very respectful to the legacy. Um, but if you go in with a, a bucket of popcorn, you should be able to get a lot more out of Scream than you than you do, a, a, you know, a, a faceless killer, you know. Yeah. But you don't, you don't. Yeah. But yeah. I've got two more things here. Like, sure. Um, Skeet Ulrich. Like, what, what the fuck was all that about? No idea. No. Pointless. At the yeah. end, it was almost supernatural, like pointing to where the weapon should be. Like that doesn't make sense in the Scream universe at all. No. And- it, well, it, it didn't make sense in this in this film. Never mind the never mind the the the, the universe. Just just this actual particular film. It, it, it's like it makes no sense. Oh, it, it wound me up. <laughs> I was getting wound up in the cinema. I can so tell. There was a there was um. So whilst all this is happening. I then think to myself, well, what 
they're doing, and I sort of mentioned it earlier, was no matter what you say about it, um, especially when they mention the toxic fan base at the end, that's what we are sort of thing. Uh, Um, I'm going to fix the ending and then we'll go into this, right? So here's my ending. Here's my pitch, right? Kill everyone. All the leads, like Dewey, Gail, Sydney, the two sisters, kill them off. Right there, there you've flipped it. Everything else that's gone before, I I can forgive that because, as I said, all them great things. There was a load of good points in this film, um, and if you're going to do this ending where oh we haven't done that before, we've subverted what you all thought would happen. Boom! Like, I don't yeah. know where you would go from there financially. It's a ridiculously stupid idea. Let me let well let me let me um let me jump in and right. and and add to your idea. Um, uh, but just just tweak it a wee bit because I think we could right. be onto something here, and we should maybe we get go. in touch. We should maybe get in touch with them. Um, what they what they should have done is you're right, kill everyone, but only one person survives, and it is one of the killers, and they get away because they never get away, and you've opened and you've left a massive open fucking door for the second movie, and you put and which will start with a twist. Because you already know that there is a killer and who it is. So what the fuck's going to happen with this? Fair enough. That that works. It you know, fits in. I mean, anything other than what happened. <laughs> it, well, the th- it's all about this line that they say, that toxic fan base. Um, and I, I say this because the toxic fans, it's, it's always said, oh, well, it's not going to change anything. You're just being a, a cunt for being a cunt's sake. But it works. If you're a toxic dickhead on the internet, you can make sure that those women aren't going to be in Ghostbusters the next time around. You can make sure that Solo isn't going to get that many seats like as before. And, yeah, you might potentially yeah. have Disney losing money. You can You can sway, like, what gets made. That yeah. would be a great flip on it. That is the toxic fan base. They win. Like, no, me and you, I can't imagine wanting that, but that's the way yeah. it is right now. So, well, you know, that's my thoughts. But, I, but I, I, I would, I'd take anything over when one of the killers is disarmed and at the end of a knife and a gun suddenly goes, oh, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. I just wanted to be part of something. I just wanted to be part of the toxic fan base. I, wanted, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to feel like I was part of something. And I thought, like, you are, are you really going to do this? Are you really, I mean, fair play. You have never stopped being meta for this whole fucking movie. So why stop now? You know, one of the characters, one of the killers announcing, welcoming us all to the final act that I, I was literally, oh, fuck off, you know. But then, but then for this same killer to then all of a sudden try and plead innocence and she was really sorry, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, oh, this, this is just, this is just fucking ridiculous now. This is, this is verging on comedy. And, and that's where I think they've been successful <laughs> because yes. this is yeah. the fifth instalment. There is no fifth installments to films that are fantastic, that are better than the first, that are even on par and nearly as close as the first. Um, it just doesn't happen. And, you know, they're, if they're making a comment on that, fine, you've succeeded. But it's not what I went to the cinema for. 
Yes. You know, I, I, I wanted to, to have my expectations changed. I wanted to be like impressed. I never go thinking, oh, this is going to be shit because I wouldn't go. Why spend that money? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and, and you're right though. It's like there, it, it, it was like there was, um, it, it's, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually just for these, these thoughts are forming right now in my head. Um, it's almost like it was almost like the difference between Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Because Evil Dead is a nasty piece of work. It's a fucking video nasty for a reason. And Evil Dead 2 is very funny. And it's where it's where that that trilogy sets off on the comedy horror route after being pure horror. And this felt a lot of times this felt like comedy horror. It felt like it was being played. There was a lot of being played for laughs and tonally that didn't work for me at all. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing scary movie for the first time and just not, I didn't laugh once. It wasn't for me. And yeah. it felt the same here. It's not scary. It's not funny. So what are you, what are you trying to achieve? Um, but like, H, me and you can talk about this all night. And oh, the, yeah. the thing is, it's a huge success. It's yes. done everything that it, it, it wanted to achieve. Uh, yeah. except art- artistically and who knows whether they even wanted to uh to achieve an artistic film I, I don't know um but but it's been a complete financial success and not just that yeah fans have loved it so we are really in the minority we really are. oh oh no and i'm 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 well aware of that i mean you know i've been online and um yes i'm 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 well aware that we are in a we're in a very small minority but you know, ultimately, um, the way I look at it is those first three films will, you know, will always be there. They're never going to go away. And they are my, that's my screen trilogy. And this new one, it ain't for me. As you got fine. in that text, that, I mean, there you go. Maybe the youth have found something you know, and that is you. Absolutely. Uh, why double O F? Well, look, Paul. I can see you glancing at your um at, at your uh, your clock there, and I I can't thank you enough for for spending this time with me and and discussing Scream, a movie which we both massively disappointed about. Um, but at least we pissed our money away, so we could have a chat for half an hour. Brilliant. Yeah. Hey, if you can get some good content or just some content, then I'm bloody happy with that. <laughs> I'm using it all. <laughs> and that brings to an end this episode of movie bollocks thank you very much for listening um as always please do sign up at patreon.com forward slash howard h smith join the fun join the party support the podcast if you can i hope you've enjoyed these list of movies and reviews and a little bit of chat with paul at the end there bringing us right up to date with the latest installment of scream and its requel well as supporting this podcast via patreon and subscribing of course um please do support uh, paul's podcast which is a year in horror mentioned several times it's absolutely brilliant the episodes are all 
even longer than this one. Can you believe you got to the end? Um, and they're fantastic. I mean, there's five hours of entertainment literally every month. Uh, and it's just so in depth. It's like the opposite of this. It's really well researched, um, and really well done as opposed to the way I operate. But hey, hopefully, if you're still listening, you understand that. And that's why you're here. So once again, thank you for being here. I am now going to go and be somewhere else.